Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name, Hayden Winks. Oh, Hayden. This feels like last year where we have Tuesday games. We have multiple Monday night games that throws a wrench in our routine. That is very much similar from September to, to January. But here we are back where we try to, you know, combine watching the games with the data that you scraped to hopefully give an advantage to all the listeners and the viewers out there. How are you, buddy? Good. Fantasy football has turned into not just regression, unfortunately. We have to follow the news and do all the other things about it. So, yeah, this show will still be about the fantasy usage model, but there's still so much COVID news and all the other stuff. And quietly, Josh and I are trying to aim for 30 to 45 minutes here. Wish us luck. Never tell people the goal here. Never tell people the goal because I I always come short of an equal that I said, Hayden. Uh, but yes, 30, 45 minutes, something like that. We'll, we've narrowed it down to about 10 names on each side at running backs and wide receivers. And if you want more, you can always go to underblog.underdogfantasy.com to check out Hayden's fantasy usage model. Tons of running backs. How many do you go down to? 80, 75? This week, I added a little bit more because there's so much news. So I, I went out right. to 60 running backs and you almost 100 Sutton there receivers. Somehow. Yeah, Cortland Sutton made the list. That was cool. <laughs> what's up scampers connor one rock tony david all you people appreciate you being here if this is your first time checking out this channel because it always is like and subscribe we appreciate you we just passed a million views on the youtube channel since launching it on april 2nd just a few months ago and look where we are we're still having a blast we've got plenty more content ahead for the next few weeks and definitely definitely and playoffs and Super Bowl and the offseason. All right, here we go. Let's dive into it first at the running back position. Let's go on over to San Francisco, where we know that Eli Mitchell has been out. He now still is a game time decision, according to general manager John Lynch in week 16 against the Tennessee Titans. So in his absence, we have seen some combination of Debo Samuel and Jeff Wilson. Well, we got the most Jeff Wilson this past week. 21 carries for 110 yards and one touchdown, two catches against the Atlanta Falcons. So where are we at? How are we viewing this backfield right now? When the 49ers are playing with a lead, Jeff Wilson could pay off. That's what happened last week. He had 15.2 expected half PPR points. In the, the last week, he had 5.6. So he's more volatile than the other running backs just because they're getting Debo involved whenever he's the starter. So it really just comes down to uh, Eli Mitchell's status. He's cleared the protocol, but they play on Thursday, I believe. And the knee issues is something that's also we have to monitor. It sounds like he's like, quote unquote, turned a corner with that. So we're going to have to wait and see. Eli Mitchell is the RB1 overall in the fantasy usage model. If you look at the last four weeks, removing the two games he's missed. So I think he's the better talent. I think they'll use him more than they've been using 
Jeff Wilson, but Jeff Wilson with a lead is still an upside RB2 as well. Love Eli Mitchell when he gets back in there. And I understand and exactly what you said. It wasn't just a concussion protocol. I think we kind of overlooked the knee injury because of the protocol. And typically when players clear that, they go back onto the field. Titans this week on Thursday, as you mentioned. Texans. Texans in week 17. The end of best ball mania too. What a difference that might make for a few teams that make it there. And then the Rams to close out the season in, uh, in week 18. Jeff Wilson, I mean, again, I'll say that Kyle Shanahan has only trusted Eli Mitchell among his running backs all season long. Jeff Wilson did most of his damage on edge runs, on outside runs, had four carries of 10-plus yards. I think at the very least, maybe Kyle has found the back that he trusts as like the secondary option in that backfield. But as soon as Eli is healthy and close to 100%, I would expect him to be shoved right back in there because he is uh, he is far more talented than what Jeff Wilson has shown this season. Yep, this should have been Trey Sermon, though. <laughs> Next year. I mean, look, Trey Sermon, if all of you are doing like 2022 best ball, he's going in like round 15, 16, 17. Hayden, with he and Eli Mitchell just being on the roster next year and no other running backs, that might be one that we want to dip our toe into. Who knows? Plenty of time for that conversation. But you all know you can play 2022 best ball right now on Underdog. We'll double your deposit. First time depositors. Use promo code the show. All right. Bucks time. Big one here. Big one because we have fallen in love with Leonard Fournette. And what Leonard Fournette has done this season is be Mr. Reliable in every single phase of the game on one of the best offenses in the league behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. So he is now out for quote, a game or two, according to national reports, because of a hamstring injury. So in steps, some combination, Hayden, of Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. Again, we're here in running back insurance in week 16. How are we feeling about either of those options? So I feel much better about Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn because I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn's very good. And I rewatched the game after Leonard Fournette left, and it was Ronald Jones on early downs, but he played a couple of the third downs too. He caught a pass, made a guy miss out in the flats. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn played in the last drive, the entire the entirety of the last drive because they were down by so many points. But a third and one, he got stuffed. He had a drop pass. He fell down over his feet on another pass. So I think to me, it's just, he's just, Ronald Jones is better than Keyshawn Vaughn. So I know I'm not expecting Ronald Jones to have the Leonard Fournette role. That's just not how this is going to work. The Bucs offense is going to be worse than it was because of all the other injuries. So game script could be a little bit of an issue and just overall team points could be a little bit of an issue. But if it's just Ronald Jones versus Keyshawn Vaughn, I'm picking Ronald Jones. So much of Leonard Fournette's value this season has been based on being an every down player. Like he's not a top 10 runner with the ball in his hands. He's not a overly dynamic receiver, but he's not a tell when he's out there. And he obviously has the full trust of, of Tom Brady. He, he's thoroughly reliable. Um, Ronald Jones has the opportunity to prove himself in that area to take on some of that. But I think at every single turn that we've seen from Ronald Jones, even in small opportunities, it's been really bad. And he has given up and shown that he is not reliable in, in those cases. And quickly, again, so much 
of the conversation is centering around the running game. I think Ronald Jones can be a capable runner as long as he doesn't fumble. Like, that's easy. A lot of backs in the NFL can do that. But again, what has separated Leonard Fournette this year is the games where Tom Brady says, one, we're either working in negative game scripts, so we're going to throw a lot, or we just open with 13 straight passes, and Leonard Fournette is in there for every single one of those. So Lenny, in the tweet that I just showed, has 415 passing down snaps this season, including 37 pass pro reps. He's averaging seven and a half targets per game, per game. How many running backs across the league can say they're averaging seven and a half targets per game over the last six contests? Meanwhile, Ronald Jones has only been out there for 85 passing down snaps in 2021. And just seven times he's been asked to protect the quarterback. If he screws up one of those, if he drops a pass in the flat, it's instantly going to be death eyes. He gets from TB12, and we've seen that in the past from him already. So I do wonder, Hayden, if they're just going to not throw to the running back as often, that would be easier said than done if you had a Chris Godwin, if you had a Mike Evans out there. But now that they don't, I'm not sure how, you know, this breakdown, this trickle down of targets is going to go to. I don't think they're going to give him the same Fournette role, but the only thing I'm very confident in is the only person that's less reliable than Ronald Jones, the only person that is less trusted than Ronald Jones by his coaching staff and Tom Brady is the guy that they can't even get. He's been healthy scratch in a special teamer, and whenever he's been on the field, he did drop a pass. He has uh, had pass protection issues. So this is like, yeah, we know Rojo is not very good. He's an explosive runner, and he can run with power. They kept giving him pitches, which I thought was interesting. That's kind of something we haven't seen with Leonard Fournette as much, um, but that was a little little wrinkle. It's just like all the things you said about Ronald Jones, like Keyshawn is just like even more so totally all the negatives. Totally. And with geo out too, that, that doesn't help help the case. Right. So I guess the only reason to be negative on Ronald Jones is one, we've been bitten in the past when you've get, when he's gotten the opportunity and two, then anticipating that just happens again. But if this is just again, a one or two week injury, that's okay. Like I'll, I'll, I'll take all of that. I mean, that makes him, the number one fantasy commodity here because that offensive line in most cases, unless they play the saints is fantastic. So like you're saying, would not expect the same workload as what Leonard Fournette was getting would not expect the same type of talent, especially in the passing game, but that shouldn't diminish, you know, the value that Ronald Jones potentially gives us as long as he doesn't screw up. Okay. Enough said there. Chicago bears, Dave Montgomery, Justin Fields. We know David Montgomery is getting a ton of snaps. 18 carries for 60 yards on Monday Night Football. Five catches for 23. What do you want to say here about DeMont? He just was, was popping in the ball. RB77 used last month. He, he's only been the RB21. Obviously, that's because Bears have been in so bad, but still getting upside RB2 usage. I'd be too, too disappointed starting him, even, even with Justin Fields. Being put down, I thought in the, I thought in the second half game on Monday Football, he looked looked a little bit better. Um, um, they still are not using, using just Justin Field on design, design quarterback runs. He's getting a lot, a lot of rushing, but but almost every single one of the one of them has a scrambler. So whenever they're they're running, it's literally just like Dave, like David Montgomery up up the middle or off the edge on edge on like a traditional running back stuff. It's not it's zone re- stuff. That, that's a wrinkle that they could uh, add to it, but I think uh, it's just going to be traditional, traditional Dave Montgomery. Probably finishes like the a top 15 running back every week, week by like RB1 usage. Uh, Hayden, if you could quickly reset, I think you have an echo. So I will say my piece here on David Montgomery. Yeah. What has stood out to me with 
just overall Matt Nagy in this offense is that he is not catering it at all to the talents that he has in Justin Fields and and the running back position. I mean, Jay Moyer, who's one of our favorites, we've cited him a lot this year, saying that like Fields has less than 20 design runs on the year. And I think anyone who watched that Monday night football game can see that. And some of it's the offensive line, how brutal it is. And second round pick Tevin Jenkins just isn't working out here at left tackle. They just don't have enough talent out there at wide receiver and at a bunch of spots. But you have technically your core of your backfield right now in Justin Fields, in David Montgomery, and in Khalil Herbert. And Matt Nagy, who obviously has given the play calling away at points a season to, to Bill Lazor, even with negative talents that we've seen across the league, you at least see a semblance of what a play caller can do and how an offensive coordinator can construct his offense that shows you and gives you some faith to do that once you know better talents are available. And look, I don't even know how many half a dozen half a dozen years we're in with Matt Nagy. He just hasn't shown the ability to do that with with anyone. So it's just a huge letdown. It's a huge letdown here because no matter what, there should be more success and efficiency at large from these three pieces. Yeah, let me just repeat that because I think I was, I was echoing uh, the David Montgomery stance is just he's RB7 in usage and that's enough, that's enough to keep him as, as a top top fin running, running back. He's one of the biggest positive regression in Canada. Uh, nothing beyond that. I wish that, that they would use in fields uh, in the quarter designed to run game, not scrambling. Like almost all of his carries have been, been uh, via scramble. Okay. Chat, let me know if he's still echoing. I'm a little nervous that he still is, but we will see. Yep, still echoing. There we go. Not sure what to do. But we'll keep rolling. We'll figure it out. All right. So next up, we've got James Conner. We've got Chase Edmonds. We saw from James Conner this past weekend, eight carries for 39 yards, two receptions for 31 yards. Meanwhile, Chase Edmonds returns to the lineup, six carries for 53, and just one target. This was obviously a complete blowout loss to the Detroit Lions. I know Hayden will pop out, pop back in here in a little bit. But the biggest thing that stood out here is that 25% winning percentage. And they did not get a carry until like the 15th minute of the contest. I mean, it just shows you how early this game got out of hand for the Cardinals. And in that case, I don't think there was very much for us to learn about. Hayden is the ghost controller of the running back opportunities at the moment. Learn about how this backfield is going to be utilized even more down the stretch. This was the biggest frustration for me in this contest was what they showed on just one fourth down sequence. It was a first and goal from the six yard line. We got one deep pitch five yards behind the line of scrimmage to Rondell Moore. Second down, we got a push pass to Christian Kirk, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Then on fourth down, after a failed rollout, Kyler Murray behind beyond the line of scrimmage was basically a tunnel screen to the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage. None of these carries, none of these opportunities went to James Conner, who's been unreal inside the 10 yard line this season. None were design runs for Kyler Murray or scrambles really to pick up that that touchdown. And so again, this was an opportunity from 10, nothing down to bring it back to a very manageable 10, seven nearing halftime. 
And it was a missed, missed opportunity that we had seen the Cardinals for 10, 12 weeks take advantage of this season. Does my mic still have COVID? I think you're okay now. Wow. Okay, we survived. I hope so. Uh, the James Conner stuff was basically, like you said, it's just there was no running back opportunities. Both backs had under seven expected half PPR points. That is way lower than expected. They only ran like three or four plays in like the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. And James Conner was in for most of them. So I think that James Conner is the one a, uh, maybe that was just because, um, Chase Edmonds was coming off of injury, but I think I'm going to be ranking James Conner ahead of him. And as the chart is showing, he was the one that was playing before they just took him out of the game when the game got completely out of hand. But this was just a situation where James Conner could not get going. James Chase Edmonds couldn't get going because they literally just did not run enough plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish we learned more from this contest because again, we had seen early this season, this backfield have like really static usage. It was Chase Edmonds between the twenties and James Conner inside the twenty. And then it changed because of injuries. And now we have even more injuries on top of that here with DeAndre Hopkins. So many other teams are like exactly who they want to be at this point. And it feels like the Cardinals already peaked and like they're getting worse now. And the same thing could have been said in what, 2020. And then they, you know, hit a losing streak to to end the season. I would hate it because I think you and I at points the season, Hayden, had said that this might be one of the most complete teams in the NFL. And it doesn't feel like that anymore. It doesn't feel like that anymore yeah so um i know we had a few questions before we move on i know it's tonight but on this rams backfield and i know you and i have talked about it so much hayden and so you probably hate hate that i'm saying this but andrew is in the chat other people are in the chat wondering about sony versus hindo one final time i will say my piece and it can be totally wrong we do not know and we can you know reflect on it you know, wednesday morning because we're gonna go, we're gonna know more but from my perspective, this is just my hunch from watching these games is this Rams offense went stale for just a little bit. McVay said it. People who watched the game said it. Then that kind of coincided with Robert Woods's injury and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup do a lot of different things that wide receivers across the league do not do in terms of motioning in tight to the formation, acting as tight ends at times, crackback blocks, so on and so forth. Van Jefferson can't really do that. Odell Beckham absolutely can't do that. And so while it got a little stale with Sean McVay and his offense, that also coincided again with Daryl Henderson slowing down and then missing games. And so then when Sony was put into the starting lineup, they went heavy personnel, an extra offensive lineman, two tight ends, all in the same personnel groupings and ran with a bunch of power stuff. And so that got, three, four, five chunk yard gains. Heck, against the Arizona Cardinals, we saw Sonny Michelle on a third and two get contact three or four yards in the backfield, break that, pick up the first down. And that might look like just a two-yard gain. He's never going to reel off the 10, 20, 30-yard gains that Daryl Henderson potentially has in his back pocket. But I think the Rams have figured out that, hey, we need a power element to our game, something that can sustain and make short yardage situations on second down and manageable on third downs. And then we can be explosive in the passing game. And so that's the balance I think that they're going to move forward with. That can change tonight. We have no idea what's going to happen. But I think that Sony Michelle, if we're just talking purely about carries and some reliability in the passing game, will get the upper hand right now moving forward. But again, who knows what's going to happen tonight? 
Jordan Rodriguez, one of the best, probably the best Rams reporter, said that it's probably going to be Sony as the number one. Sean McVay, when he was asking about it, he mentioned Sony first, and then he was a little bit questioning um, the, how they're going to use it, a little bit of a hot hand approach. But they're they like promoted Jake Funk. I McVay had a weird little phrase when he was talking about Henderson about like if he's okay. So there's a little bit of a health concern there. And I think it's not a contusion. I think it is an actual quad strain, which can linger a little bit, a big issue. And I think what you said is the most important, even before the injury, you and I were kind of theorizing that they're going to use Sony Michelle more because of the power rushing. And over the last two weeks with Henderson not playing, they've doubled their power rushing rate. And I think that's an element where Sony Michelle thrives in and not Daryl Henderson, even going back to Memphis. That is not what uh he did so i think that's a little bit of a wrinkle i think like you said they want to use the play action off off of that and they're fine with being in like second and five to set up uh passes instead of like having a 50 50 chance of either being on second and nine or second and one they just want the consistency that sony provides so we'll see i don't feel super confident in it but i'm i'm playing sony in the two leagues that i'm in that i'm still in the playoffs with sony michelle i've started him in both of those and most of all, I would be shocked if we go back to Daryl Henderson having 75% of the workload that we got in the early portions of the season. Yeah. I, th- I think that's fair. Like at best, I think it's a 50 50 split. And then I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, 60 40 Sony Michelle or even 70 30 Sony Michelle. That's what I would think this week. Or even Daryl Henderson potentially being inactive. Who knows what's going to happen here in about 30, 45 minutes? Okay, that's enough. I just know a lot of people are nervous about that, and the first round of their playoffs rely on who is going to get more carries. Let's now jump to Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, which now seems a bit be a bit of a split, Hayden, but not necessarily because of the talent of Samaj P. Ryan, but I would say the health of Joe Mixon. 17 carries for 58 yards. We've seen him have some games of, you know, five, six, seven targets, and this one just won. Meanwhile, Samaje Piran had four carries for 30 and two targets. Mixon dealt with an ankle injury, a knee injury, was in and out of the field and the lineup, back in the locker room. Is that fair to you? Like, with this team potentially making the playoffs, they know that Joe Mixon is their best runner. They know that they are a run-first team right now in terms of neutral pass rate, and so they want to use him in that area and supplement it with Piran in the passing game. Yeah, they're just not using him on third downs in the two-minute drill of Samaje over Joe Mixon. And all 18 of Mixon's touches were on first and second down last week. The Bengals are still playing slow. They're still uh, really low on neutral pass rates. I, b- I believe they're below average in all five games coming off the bye. So that's what Joe Mixon's going to do. He's still going to catch a couple passes, but Samaje P. Ryan's been playing on the clear-cut passing downs. Joe Mixon left late but he was in on the snap where they take, took a knee. So I'm not sure if it's going to be that serious, but if he is out, so Maje Piran, he is a bigger back. They used him to close out the game after Mixon left with the injury last week. And he's already been playing in the two minute drill in the passing situations. I think that Samaji Piran would be a pretty good play. And I think he would go into like a little bit of this Joe Mixon role. Obviously Mixon's like way more likely to rip off a 50 yard touchdown compared to Samaji P. Ryan, but I think Samaji P. Ryan is certainly somebody that should be being picked up everywhere right now. The Titans are a pain to watch, but we need to talk about their backfield because they're back to giving one guy 24 touches, and that's Deontay Foreman. 
22 carries, 108 yards, two catches for 27 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers' defense is giving up more and more rushing yards each and every week. It's pretty clear here, Hayden, even though Dontrell Hilliard got the first touch, it looks like, and then Jerry McNichols is the clear passing down back, at least early on in this game, I think before he left with a head injury and got cleared from that concussion. But in the middle area, man, it's a whole bunch of Deontay Foreman, a whole bunch, and you never alluded to it. The Tennessee Titans offensive line, woeful pass protectors, great run blockers. It is just a situation where all three of them are playing, but they use their running backs so much that they can kind of get away with it. So Deontay Foreman's the uh, early down back between uh, the three of them. And then kind of Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy Nichols are kind of playing in this passing down role. But Dontrell Hilliard had 13.6 expected half PPR points last week, which kind of gets him at least somewhat on the map. If I'm starting one, it's definitely Deonta Foreman, who is currently the RB18 uh, or RB24 on RB18 fantasy usage over the last month. He's the one. The other two, you're pretty much effed if you're starting them. But the Titans just are using their running backs at a, like a really ridiculous rate. And I expect that to happen uh, until AJ Brown gets back. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily, I mean, I love this chart from Ben Baldwin that he posts each week, especially like it when it matches up with what I see, like Damien Harris being well ahead of Ramondre Stevenson, a few others here on this list, right? But the one that shocked me, Hayden, is Deontay Foreman and Derek Henry basically being neck and neck here in terms of yards over expectation per attempt. Don't totally buy it. They certainly aren't nearly as talented and nearly as skillful. Um, I think part of this is probably how many yards Foreman rushed against the Patriots. And this is such a small sample versus, you know, Derrick Henry doing it weekend, week out, week in and week out. But again, the closest thing the Titans can get to their identity right now is a bunch of randos at wide receiver and Deontay Foreman being a much better runner than Dontre Hillard, who I think has flashes, and then Jerry McNichols, who's a passing down back. And so I, I think we're on the same page here that, if the Titans are going to limp into the playoffs, Foreman is going to need to hover and probably get 17 to 20 touches because that means they're winning their games or they're close or they're close. Yeah, I think it's an interesting pick in uh, underdog best ball right now. Yeah. Playoffs. I really like that. Green Bay Packers. Again, another backfield that we wanted more answers to heading into that game against the Baltimore Ravens. Didn't really get too many. Just seven carries here for A.J. Dillon. He got his touchdown early. 15 touches for Aaron Jones for 58 yards. Also got his touchdown. I believe on the broadcast, Troy Aikman said that Matt LaFleur told him he would love to have an equal split 50-50 with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones the rest of the way. What say you? So Aaron Jones in the last two games, he's had 7.2 and 10.4 expected half PPR points which makes him the RB42 in usage. Now, they didn't run that many plays in the first game, and they've been playing, just like blowing teams out. Um, so they haven't used their running backs all that much. But this is not round one. This is not round two. This isn't even round three Aaron Jones anymore. This is a legitimate committee approach. And uh, A.J. Dillon's been getting four of the five inside the five-yard line opportunities in their last two games. If they are blowing out a team, A.J. Dillon's going to come in there. Um, so I have these guys ranked back to back in a lot of my rankings. I think this is a legit committee and I think it's going to take out some of the ceiling games for either one of them. It's just going to be hard and they're going to be super touchdown reliant because 
I don't see why the Packers would stop using this rotation. It's highly effective. Yep. They can win either way. It's going to be very matchup dependent. And I think that AJ Dillon could actually play. So a very tough situation. I think that both of them are boom bus RB2s right now. Chiefs time. A Chiefs offense that has had its struggles well-documented all season long. But I think lately it's fair to say that they have done it. They've turned it around. They figured out what they're good at. And a lot of that still now is back into the passing game. And so that brings me to this question, Hayden. 48 points against the Las Vegas Raiders in week 14. You know, 22 when they could have put up, you know, a lot more against the Broncos in week 13. Here we are in week 15, a 34-28 win against the Los Angeles Chargers. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just like not involved. I mean, 10 carries, 9 carries the last two weeks, 37, 32. Yes, he got two rushing touchdowns there in week 14, which really helped. But if this is the Chiefs at their best offensively, and this is the type of workload that we're getting from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Again, I think week 14 might not be fair to put that in there because they just dominated so much and you didn't really get to see their full offense for four quarters because they got to take them out at the end of the third. But where are we at right now here in the final final three weeks of the regular season with CEH? Two weeks ago, he was the early down grinder in the goal line back. And then last week, it was of just a random rotation where Daryl Williams actually had the two touches inside the five-yard line. And then Clyde Ed- edwards Flair had four targets to Daryl Williams one. So their role like kind of switched, which just means it's just going to be kind of hot hand, whatever the flow of the game is, all that stuff. But you're right. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, 10, 11.1 and nine expected half PPR points since the buy that makes him the RB 33 in fantasy usage. Obviously he can have multiple touchdowns spiked week potential that other running backs in this range have, but he's more of a flex play than like a must play RB2 and I think that Daryl Williams in uh playoff best ball is somebody you got to have some exposure to especially you've been uh stacking uh Patrick Mahomes as a one seed. Let's talk about Duke Johnson. He's back in our lives. Miami Dolphins, yeah. 22 carries, 107 yards and two touchdowns he put out there in a big big win for the Dolphins. In fact, the four running backs who forced the most missed tackles in week 15 per PFF, Duke Johnson all the way at the top, followed by Craig Reynolds, Deontay Foreman, who we just mentioned, and a full chub we got from Nick Chubb. And not just that, but Duke Johnson's eight carries, or excuse me, eight forced missed tackles as a runner are more than Darrell Williams has had this entire season. I've seen some people call him Duke Johnson. Shout out to the Michael as a Twitter follower said that. When I went back and watched Duke Johnson, that's not the game that I saw, Hayden. I saw run your face over Johnson. Power. He is a put his foot in the dirt, run full speed straight at your face. I'm not going to try to make you miss in the hole. He's like morphed into a a, a power back. And I think for the Dolphins, that's probably the best option and the best thing available for them. Yeah, it gives him a little bit of a change up. Otherwise, it's just like RPO soft running with Miles Gaskin. And yeah, Duke Johnson came in there and had uh, 23 touchdowns. All the goal line worked. He had 17.5 expected half PPR points. And he's like all of a sudden, like definitely in the mix. Now, I think that this could flip at some point because after the game, they said the coaching staff said that Miles Gaskin could like didn't have his usual workload because he didn't practice much coming off of COVID. 
And that is something to consider. So I wouldn't just go crazy with the Duke Johnson stuff. But to me, this version of Duke Johnson is more fun than the the version of Miles Gaskin, the version of Salvin Ahmed that we've been getting this season. So why not? I'm all for it. Yeah. Like we had a game where Miles Gaskin, I think it was against Tampa Bay, had like 12 targets, something close to it. But that was, you know, a matchup dependent one. I think Miles Gaskin and other teams would be able to showcase his skills a bit more. But on a team with an awful offensive line like the Dolphins have, that one out against an awful defense as a whole in the New York Jets. But if your blockers are so bad, maybe at least have someone that will run in a straight line and, and, and try to run your face over. And Duke Johnson has the best ability of the grouping that is in the Dolphins right now. But yes, the running back by committee approach that we get. We don't get a lot of news out of Miami in terms of we don't even know who their play caller is at this point still. And it's week uh it's week 15. So who, who's having a better like week 15 close stretch than Ian Harditz right now? Cordero Patterson truther, Duke Johnson. We're getting Drew Locke to start. I mean he's like on fire right now. Does that mean Alden Tate in 2022? Well no. you forgot to also to mention Drew Locke, dude. I mean Hey, he's going to be starting. He's back in our lives, and that's all that matters. Starting might be might do more harm to Drew Locke's legacy than not playing. Well, that's what we thought about Duke Johnson until he finished as the RB1 this week. So we'll <laughs> see. I'm not ruling anything out. Let's close with uh, James Robinson. We didn't get the Benji, but we nailed the process and the usage here for James Robinson. 18 carries for 75 yards, one touchdown. Six targets and a loss to the Texans. Uh, the Jaguars are just abysmal. But now with Carlos Hyde on injured reserve, I think the efficiency and the production can waver a little bit, but the opportunity for these next three weeks is going to be there for J-Rob. Yeah, he was a complete bell cow. They used Dario Ogunbuale a couple snaps, but I think some of those snaps were when he was missing just because of a a little knee injury. Um, Nothing to be concerned about. James Robinson, I think, is like legit. They're going to use him. The coaching staff loves him. This coaching staff at least does. And he absolutely went crazy. Let me pull him up on the thing. Uh, 18.3 expected half PPR points last week. That's a season high. That's what he was in 2020. That's what he was at times earlier on this year. Without Urban Meyer, I think that he's like an upside RB2 at the very worst right now. Tom, chat, tells us Le'Veon Bell to the Bucks has been signed. It would just be so hilarious. We talked about the Bucks backfield at the top of the show. If... Uh, if he performs more than Ronald Jones, but I think more, this is going to be for like a passing down role. If anything, I think Lev Bell has a higher chance of being on like fighting Jake Paul than like being relevant in fantasy. This <laughs> he year. was, he was quite bad. He was quite bad. I know we got to move on to another position, but shout out to Craig Reynolds, dude. I, who knows? Good. Who knows how long this is going to last for, but shout out to you, Craig Reynolds for again, Kutztown wearing number 46, and what he did so well was press like the outside edge of his offensive line, see a cutback lane or like the backside lane, and then cut it up the field. Um, you see worse runners get opportunities in the NFL. And again, Jamal Williams, I know that DeAndre Swift is dealing with a shoulder issue that he's been obviously on the men for, for multiple weeks. But with how talented this offensive line is as blockers, I don't know the future for Craig Reynolds, but if he's the ball carrier each week when you roll up on a Sunday, I'm cool playing him as a flex. I'm 100% cool playing him as a flex. Yeah, last two, two games, 0.6 and 12, we expected half, half yard points 
Um, he's in line, in line today. That's a seam. a seam. Paul Williams doesn't come back. I agree for you. Why not just like these NFL teams? This is this is such a long season. Season. Why don't we have like like one week, week twelve? Just like okay, our, we're we're resting our starter starter, even if he's healthy, and we're, and we're gonna we're gonna get fresh legs in there. In there, yeah. Our actual actual start. If, if they did this with Zeke for two weeks, two weeks ago, Zeke would be feel, feeling fear, and we get like get like a legit explosive player. The player I don't care if it, who 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 is there like RB three that they mixed in in Clement. It's Corey Clement Clement week. Yeah. Live with it, it, and then like Zeke Elliot Elliot. Like this is pretty crazy. Yeah. Your echoes back, but I think I know exactly what you're saying. And I think it goes back to the comment that I made about the people who were breaking tackles in week 15. All of them were fresh, fresh legs. Even you can throw a Nick Chubb in there who missed a few weeks. Like fresh legs are a are a big deal. They are a big deal right now in the NFL, especially at, at the running back position. Um, so it's just cool to me to see like random players like this pop up towards the end of the season. And someone who isn't even a rookie, who's now like a third-year player, and he's going to make good in that futures deal. Congratulations, Craig Reynolds. At the very least, he's going to get a couple mentions here on Twitter for the next few years when like some random company account says, name a random running back. People are going to throw out Craig Reynolds' names. That's your legacy, buddy. Or it can be so much more. The ceiling is immense. The ceiling is immense. All right. Let's jump on over to the wide receiver position. Before we get started, those of you who are here, you're lifers. We appreciate you. We're deep, deep, deep into the season. Trust me, some of us want it to end as well. Like and subscribe. Appreciate you all. And I know that you got some payouts for best ball, best ball mania too. One, playoff best ball is an incredible game. We have a whole stream on it from last week with Jack Settleman. We did two drafts. My brain was put into an absolute blender. I would advise all of you because the mitten just came out. It's a $5 entry. There's also a $25 one as well. Go try one and review not only what your team did, but what the other five teams did as well. And try different strategies. Try different teams. Try different investments. And pick them. Pick them is always there. And with these Saturday nugget slates and these Sunday long slates, pick them is the, uh, the GOAT product to me. I absolutely love it. You want to try talking? Check, check. That's not enough. That's not enough of a check. Okay. We're going over to wide receivers. Let's talk about the Bucks. Chris Godwin, ACL. They really don't have a replacement for his style and the way he plays the position. Mike Evans, hamstring, week to week. Antonio Brown, returning back from his 10th chance off the field. Basically, every wide receiver who stepped in for Godwin, for Evans, for Antonio Brown this past weekend against the Saints failed. They let down Tom Brady. Again, we're getting to a point with the running back position, too. It's an offense that we absolutely love. But at some point, you get too many repl- players like that become irreplaceable. And I'm not sure exactly how they're going to handle this for the next three weeks. Antonio Brown's average 15.66 half our points. It's it's just it's just not going. It's just not going. Can you reset your Elgato and see like X out the program and and load it back up and see if that works? We'll keep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Bucks are uh, the Bucks are an interesting interesting organization right now, where they're getting actually healthier defensively. Some players are playing unbelievable football, and I do feel like. The Saints just have 
the offense figured out on the Buck side of the ball, where every answer that Tom initially has over and over and over against other teams don't work out. And so then he's forced to move to a second and third opportunity. And in that case, the Saints pass rushers are just so much better in terms of power rushing a Bucks offensive line that typically is one of the best in the league. And that's just like the worst possible matchup right now for the Bucks team. I still think the Bucks absolutely have a chance, even with Chris Godwin out, even without like a legit replacement, because Chris Godwin's one of the best players in the middle of the field in the NFL. His combination of size and athleticism, it's uncommon and just owns that area. Now, Gronk have to step up 100%. A guy who had, what, double-digit targets this past weekend and only two or three receptions? That's tough. Mike Evans, not for the season. One or two weeks, hopefully on the sideline. And then Antonio Brown. Like, where Antonio Brown is going right now in playoff best ball, it will never be a better value than he is right now. Because these next few weeks, like if you just read between the lines of Bruce Arians saying, I don't give a crap what the public thinks of our stance on Antonio Brown. He helps the team and he helps us win. And that's all that matters. There's your answer. He's saying the quiet part out loud. How am I doing now? Now good to go. Keep going. How about now? I just switched it to the MacBook. Is that good? Yeah. It's just really echoey. Go ahead. No, you're good. No, no, no. It's a different type of echo. It, it wasn't like you repeating yourself. It was like a voluminous echo. So use the MacBook. Yeah, because it's not even a microphone. This is for free. So, okay. Yeah. They, Antonio Brown, 15.6 half PPR points on 11.6 uh, expected half PPR points. I think he's going to be like a top 15 wide receiver going down the stretch. Cool. Cool. Okay. Let's talk about the player everyone came here for. That's Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, boy. A-R-S-B is taking over on an awful Detroit Lions, yet hardworking Detroit Lions team. Hayden, first of all, tell me about the usage. Well, he was getting usage in the backfield on top of everything else. He is now inside the top 15 in fantasy usage. And I think that this is legit with T.G. Hawkinson probably or not coming back. Swift probably not coming back. And he's been playing well. And he's kind of like this like macho slot receiver that can win on the outside now too. So it's it's everything. It's scheme touches. It's running back touches. It's just winning one-on-one matchups. And the Lions are going to be trailing points most of the weeks. Um, so the uses that he's been getting like recently has been when they've been in close games. Could you imagine when they're down 25 points? Like he's just going to get peppered with targets. So I think he's like a legit must play possible league winner in best ball too. This is too much of like narrative street, but he's kind of morphed into a Cooper cup like player for, for Jared Goff in terms of those little simple routes that you see off heavy play action to the left. He's the player working across the field and sometimes even the backfield to the right. And then he's that open receiver in the flats that boom, he can take it up the field also in the middle areas also out of the backfield. I mean, he had two, backfield snaps inside the 20 yard line on that first drive. And then the play that we talked about on the wrap up show from week 15 leak. And like this play is designed just for Amon Ross St. Brown. There is no other place. Oh, that's not it. It's a different one. There is no other place for this to go. than to Amon Ross St. Brown, like 
I think that they believe he's their best offensive piece at the moment, which is he pretty, is. pretty incredible to say. I mean, yeah, he went to USC. Of course, he's the best player. <laughs> Here's Leak. Like, this isn't going to anyone else. This is designed for him. It's a clear out everywhere else. And then, boom, over top of linebackers, underneath the safety, wide open. So, I guess the whole conversation around this is, hey, we have multiple weeks of production here. At points, it's been Khalif Raymond. At points, it's been Josh Reynolds, who I know Brad Holmes, their general manager, has been a big, big fan of, was with the Rams when they drafted him. Big advocate for Josh Reynolds. But it's to the point when you have three wide receiver spots or two in a flex, this guy is 100% startable. Like I would say, unless you have the best roster in your fantasy league, he's going to be in your starting lineup the rest of the way. Yeah. You want a Monroe St. Brown. We're here. I love We're it. Here. Okay. Cardinals wide receivers. What can we say about the breakdown in their targets and in their usage? Because again, very difficult to, take much from a game when the Cardinals, you know, really didn't have the ball until 15 minutes into the game. But we didn't get the huge performance from AJ Green. We get a whole bunch of targets from Christian Kirk. And then what we saw was mixed usage of Anton Wesley on the outside and then scheme touches again for Rondale Moore. So Christian Kirk is the one. He played most of the snaps, almost every single snap. He had great fantasy usage, uh, this last game, he's basically a must play. AJ Brown's the next best bet, or AJ Green, sorry. Um, and then it's Antoine Wesley, who played on 84% of the routes. He's their new X receiver. He's just not good enough. He's just like way too skinny. It's like very clear that he could not handle it. Um, but he was out there ahead of Rondale Moore, who left with a little bit of an injury. But even before that, was not playing that much. He's clearly in a defined role and just not a fantasy friendly role. So right now, Christian Kirk is the one. To know, Zach Ertz gets a bump as well. I think that A.J. Green, he underperformed his usage this last week, but the fact that he got um, like startable level usage is positive. I think that he would be the next bet. But I think that Christian Kirk here is clearly the winner. He's had 17.1 and 7.4 expected half PPR points in the two games that Nuke has been out, but Kyler's been playing. Cowboys wide receivers, another trio, but a good one this time. CD, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. Obviously, they destroyed the New York Giants. Obviously, players out there are going to be putting Amari Cooper and CD Lamb in their starting lineups. Is there anything they should note ahead again as we reach the semifinals and championships of fantasy football? So since Michael Gallup's been back, and I think that was week eight, uh, CD Lamb's had 13.4 expected half PPR points. Gallup has had 10.4 and then Amari Cooper is down at 7.5. And this is removing the games where they have a concussion or playing on a bad injury, all that stuff. So Amari Cooper is the one that's been falling behind, which I find really interesting. I don't have a good read on why this is probably just small sample size noise, but just the way they've been playing, uh, they haven't been good enough to hold all three of them. So I think that Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup are going to be pretty boom bust while CD lamb just roast people in the slot. But they just need Dak Prescott to play a little bit better uh, on tape. I never didn't notice anything. I thought he was playing totally fine. A couple bad throws here and there. But I think that he, the production has been way worse than what I'm watching on tape. And I think that's probably a buy low opportunity. The problem is if you drafted Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott, you've been eliminated, uh, which sucks. But that's just the truth. 
Yeah, CD, I think, lost two balls in the light. Um, we mentioned that in the wrap-up show that, like, at least to me, Dak made some early season Dak throws for the first time since early in the season, like since he had that calf strain. And uh, I just want that whole package to hit at once, the defense, the running game, and the passing game. Because if so, they are one of the best three or four contenders to me in the NFL to, to win the whole thing. And we just haven't seen it all click at the exact same time. I would say it's the Are, best defense in the league, Dallas. Best I think they were the in, in, in week 15 so far. Um, just when you have those three that can attack you over and over and over again in third and five, third and six scenarios, even when I'm sure you saw this play, they tried to run a pick play with Micah Parsons and get him a free release to, to Kenny Galladay. And Micah Parsons, just the ridiculous athlete that he is, was able to read it and act like a cornerback and stay in phase despite being four or three yards completely away from Kenny Galladay and then stuff a stuff a target at the goal line. It was like ridiculous stuff. And then on top of those pass rushers, you have Trevon Diggs who can make a splash play in the back half of the defense like uh, like Marcus Peters used to do for the Chiefs and for the Ravens. So we have breaking news. Uh, Leonard Fournette's likely to go on injured reserve. So I think it's going to be Ronald Jones. And then I think Keyshawn Vaughn's going to sprinkle in and we'll see about Le'Veon Bell, but do not have any faith in that. Oh, Tom, that team had such great injury luck last year and injury luck is such a key piece, mostly for offensive line than anything else. When we reach these playoffs, now it's happening to all the skill players, but at least the offensive line is, uh, is staying intact. Okay. Let's talk Bills receivers. Speaking of injury reserve and, and COVID lists, we know Emmanuel Sanders, I believe, is on injury reserve. We know Cole Beasley was put on the COVID list here today on Tuesday. I think people have heard that he's on unvaccinated, so I guess that means that he's out for 10 days. Um, so that brings us to Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis, the man that has had four touchdowns in the last three weeks. Gabriel Davis, who... At points this summer, Hayden was going 10 to 15 wide receiver spots ahead of Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Then this year, only two games from week one to week 13 played over 50% of the time has had some points of production despite only being a part-time player. And now with Emmanuel Sanders out and Cole Beasley out, has played 83 and 90% of the snaps in the last two weeks and has been a featured piece in one of the most voluminous passing offenses in the NFL. Yeah, some would call him like, what, the best wide receiver handcuff in fantasy? And here he comes, right in time for playoffs. Last two games, 15.1 and 12.2 expected half PPR points. Those are the two games with Emmanuel Sanders out. Gabe Davis could play. like He can, he can make extended plays. And Josh Allen's going to hit him on him. And I think that he's going to be an upside wide receiver too for the rest of the season. The Bills are still passing the ball at incredible rates. And he's just going to be the scramble guy. And it's just him and Steph Diggs right now. I don't even know. Is it like Isaiah McKenzie is going to go into the slot? And yeah. Isaiah McKenzie isn't like a natural slot receiver. He's like more of the scheme touches, like Rondell Moore type of slot receiver. So I don't think that he's going to be a volume hog. It's just going to be Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, and Gabe Davis. Low key. I think this could be super huge for Dawson Knox. I wouldn't Big be time. surprised if they put him detached 
from the line of scrimmage, get him in the slot a bit more and allow him to really, really work that middle of the field. For those of you who tuned into our show on Monday, I tried to explain this touchdown throw to Gabriel Davis that Josh Allen had. And it, I mean, the dots even do a pretty good job. So it's a three-man rush that the Panthers have. This guy in Hassan Reddick is basically just hanging back. They have a spy here against Dawson Knox. And then I'm assuming Hassan Reddick is basically supposed to be the quarterback spy. And it's only, only Gabriel Davis over the middle of the field. And this laser that Josh Allen fits between three defenders, unreal stuff. So again, at times this year, we have seen Allen drop his eyes and be a bit chaotic and then try to beat a man one-on-one to pick up the first down. That point, and he had done that a few times in this game. This point, he hung in the pocket, stood there with great protection, and then fired down the field. Yeah, Gabriel Davis, it's come full circle, hasn't it, Hayden? Like, both sides have kind of been correct, where this first six or seven weeks, Emmanuel Sanders was the full-time player, was averaging like seven targets or six targets per game, 60 or 70 yards, had two two-touchdown games. You can throw Cole Beasley's stats in there, too. And then now, when it gets to crunch time, when it gets to winning money and winning your leagues, Gabriel Davis is the player that we want. But a lot of that has obviously been through injury. Yeah, it's just perfect timing for for Gabe Davis. I, I believe that Gabe Davis is also unvaccinated uh, as well. So that's something to monitor. Hopefully there's not a cluster in Buffalo. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Bengals wide receivers. Of course, Tyler Boyd's the one that does wonders in uh in week 15, we outlined it. Broncos defense, very much too high. Very much prevent the big plays to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. So we get another leak over to Tyler Boyd. He makes Justin Simmons miss in the open field, and boom, he's gone for a touchdown. Yeah, over the last month, T. Higgins, wide receiver 20 in fantasy usage. Jamar Chase has really tanked to wide receiver 46 and then Tyler Boyd is down to wide receiver 62. I would say chase is due for positive regression. Um, but just the fact of the matter is the Bengals are just, they're not passing the ball all that much. And it's really hurting uh, the consistency of all these players. Um, right now they're 21st in neutral pass rate over the last month, but they've been below average in every single one of those games. So it's tough. Like I think T Higgins and Jamar chase, like we know what they can do, but this, offense is just so just i mean they've just been so conservative for no reason man it's just like really tilting it's one of the most tilting things in fantasy because we all watch it whenever they throw the ball deep it's basically complete so i don't know why they're not throwing the ball but right now both of them are like boom bust wide receiver twos and if you're still calling a wide receiver one that's way too optimistic so jamar chase did hit for people in week 14 77 yards and two scores yep then in week 13, he should have gotten home. It was that deep shot that he fumbled out of his hands and then dropped, and it was an interception to the other team. So, like, we have gotten, before this one, two straight really positive Jamar Chase games. And then I think in the context of this game, again, we outlined it in the preview show, this wasn't a Jamar Chase contest. And the rest of the way, this coming week, Hayden, the Baltimore Ravens against an awful, awful defense one that is to their fifth, six corners. That's a great spot. That's the same spot that in week seven, he went 10-8, 2-1, and one touchdown when they even had Marlon Humphrey, and he was able to like make people miss in the open field in that slant and take it to the house. So I'd feel good. I'd go back to feeling good about Jamar Chase here in week 16, despite what he did to you in week 15. Yeah, it's just the system. It's nothing about the player or anything like that. He's 
just T Higgins, Jamar Chase, they're very similar roles. I would just say the boom bust wide receiver twos, which means you're starting them. MVS, low key your favorite player in the league, Caden. Low I key. do like him. So Devontae Adams legit had brackets around him on nearly every single snap. And so that allowed Marquez Valdez Scantling to go for absurd production in a contest that we highlighted, you highlighted very well done in a great matchup seven, five for 98 yards and a touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens. So do we think that this production is somewhat sustainable? Cause Hayden, since week 11, 10 targets, nine targets, five targets, seven targets. Yeah. I mean, he has a role, a very defined role and Aaron Rodgers has been balling out of his mind, probably the best player in the league. And he's been the wide receiver 21 in usage over the last month, but he went on the COVID list. So this is a discussion for, Next week or the week after that. So True. Uh, it's Alan Lazard is up next. Um, I think maybe they get Amari Rogers trying to get him involved. I think Alan Lazard and Alan Lazard quietly has been showing up in the, the fantasy usage model a little bit too. He's the wide receiver 35 over the last month. And that's with MVS in there. So um, Alan Lazard, you got to pick him up. I thought MVS was going to have a, a big time role in the best ball playoffs, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, this stacking over top of Devontae Adams is stuff that you never see. Like double man coverage, basically. One guy inside, one guy outside. And I, I think part of that is just the Ravens knew how weak they were at, at corners and just knew they had to do something different to stop Devontae Adams. They were, they were willing to have anyone else beat them. And when you have the combination of Marquez Valdez-Scantling's speed and then Aaron Rodgers' ability to hit tight window throws over and over and over again, then then it works. And it's 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 not a good... I need to do that against it, but I don't know if teams are going to do this consistently is, is what I'm trying to say at the end as the main point, because I think other teams are going to have more faith in their depth chart than obviously the Ravens have in theirs right now. So and you only have 11 defenders in the on the field. Like what are you going to do? Like AJ Dillon be lighting the box against him. Good luck. Okay. Two names, Nick Westbrook, Akina of the Tennessee Titans valiantly trying to stick up and stick in and fill in for, Julio Jones and AJ Brown. How's he doing? He's doing all right. 92% of the routes last week, 11.5 expected half PPR points. He is the guy if AJ Brown does not come back this week. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't feel great, but he is available. And if AJ Brown is out, you can fire him up if you want to. Meanwhile, Chase Claypool has fallen off the face of this earth. What's going on? Yeah, I really hate this. Down to wide receiver 55 in the fantasy usage model over the last month. He had 19 routes on 32 dropbacks. That was uh, five fewer than Ray Ray McLeod. They got James Washington out there. I think all of the other parts of the Chase Claypool stuff is starting to actually eat in to the Chase Claypool that we love to see. So something to monitor. I don't, I don't know what to do about it. At any point, he can have a monster game. But you're, for that to happen, he has to play more snaps. And Big Ben has to be good. Right now, it's a bad bet. Good luck with that. All right. We'll get out of here on that note. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We appreciate you. We'll be back here on Thursday. I'll be in from North Carolina, driving down tomorrow, 12-hour drive. If anyone has good books on tape recommendations, hit me up on Twitter. I like mindless page turners, thrillers, because it lets the 12-hour drive drift away into nothingness, kind of like this NFL season. All right. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Thanks so much to the podcast listeners, the viewers, and your support. All right. For Hayden.
I'm Josh. Up the villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.